Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. Tonight we're going to talk about the ministry of the gospel. So I do want to talk a little bit about, um, we are here today because of the gospel, amen? It's only because of the gospel. It's the gospel that rescued us from our troubles. It's the gospel that saved us from sin and death. It's the gospel that took us out of utter darkness into his marvelous light. It's the gospel. And it's the gospel that's transforming us and changing us even now. From moment to moment. We are not the same person we were a year ago. Praise God. Five years ago. Praise God. Right? So God is in the process of changing us. And we want to talk about the importance of the ministry of the gospel. The importance of preaching the gospel. Last time we were here, we talked about preaching is just proclaiming. It's just sharing. It's just talking about the gospel. And so I love this because we want to share in Christ's passion for the world. See, Christ gave us the gospel, not that we could keep it and hold it into ourselves, but that we would share it, that we proclaim the news that we ought to bring the gospel to others. So church, brother, sister, we pray that the gospel would be central to our life, right? That every decision we make would involve the gospel. The way I live my life, the way I conduct myself would be centered around the gospel, uh, past couple of weeks, Pastor Chet talked about the boldness of the gospel, right? Then the grace of the gospel. Tonight we're going to talk about the ministry of the gospel. What does that mean? Ministry, the service, the impact. Everyone say impact. Has the gospel impacted you? Day by day, moment by moment, right? The gospel has completely changed us. We are not the same because of that. I don't know about you, but if I were to look back, anyone here ever look back at old pictures? Anyone look at old pictures like, oh, wow, I was thinner, I was more handsome or prettier, whatever the case you were. You know, and you look back and like, wow. And sometimes we get stuck in that. How many of you guys reminisce? Oh, I remember that one time when we did this and do that, right? And we laugh and reminisce. Well, brothers and sisters, let's celebrate what God's doing now. Don't stay too long back there. Don't stay too long there. Come into what God's doing now. And so there is a scripture, this passage, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And by his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was within me. It's the grace of God. That's why we all can come to church. That's by the grace of God that we can share the gospel and preach who Jesus is. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Had nothing to do with me. Had everything to do with Jesus. And so we're going to proclaim tonight what that means for each and every single one of us. Go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 15. We're going to look at verses 14 through 21. Romans chapter 15, verses 14 through 21. As we mentioned, the title for tonight is The Ministry of the Gospel. The Ministry of the Gospel. So a little backstory 
chapter 15, book of Romans, Paul is writing to the believers who are living in Rome at the time. And as he was there, he's unlocking his heart. He's sharing his heart for the believers. He's sharing with them, take care of one another. Bear each other's burdens. Anyone got a burden tonight? Paul says to the church, bear it, carry it, help it, pray for it. But not only that, he says, let's, let's learn how to glorify God together. There is nothing sweeter than the church, the body of Christ, brothers and sisters worshiping Jesus, right? It's like there's nothing like that on earth. Glorifying God together. And then also, how can we discover ways to please God? And he gets personal here. And it's interesting because he's speaking to these Roman believers, these Christians, and he's not saying, hey, this is right and wrong. He's like, actually, you know what to do is right. Believers, the struggle isn't right or wrong. The struggle is what? To do right, isn't it? We know we have this book, the B-I-B-L-E. It's the book for me, right? This book tells me how to live. It says right, wrong. The decision is up to me how I'm going to live, right? So the struggle isn't figuring out how I'm supposed to live. The struggle is how to live right before the Lord. And so tonight, we want to take a look at this. Paul is encouraging them and reminding them. And as we look at this today, I pray you would hear Paul's heart. Because eventually, he's going to get to the ministry of the gospel. He's, he's going to eventually land us in a spot where we can say, God, am I a minister? Am I a servant? Am I preaching? Am I, am I in the game? If you ever played sports before... Uh, typically contact sports, basketball, football, soccer. There's periods of time where you're sitting on the bench. Anyone ever sit on the bench? Yeah, right? Okay. And you can't wait to get into the game. But this is the thing. When you sit on the bench too long, you get comfortable. Like, actually, it's kind of nice to sit. Actually, it's kind of nice to kind of look at everyone and see all the mistakes they're making, right? Well, church... These pews are benches, and it's time to get off the pew and get in the game. That's what tonight is about, that you would, that you, that we, that we would stop looking at what we don't have, but look at what we got, and we got Jesus. So because of that, the gospel is life. It's what we have. In Romans chapter 15, we'll start at verse 14. It says, now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you are all full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God. Let's pray. God, just thinking about your grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved wretches like us. We were once blind. We were once confused. We were once living in darkness, but now we see. And we see you, Jesus. So I pray, even as we were singing today, God, if I have been planted on sinking sand, put me back on the rock that is higher than I. God, when our heart is overwhelmed, lead us to you. So whatever lies outside these doors, help us now to hear your voice. Help us to obey your commands, that we would serve you with all our hearts. Thank you for this church body. Thank you for what they are doing for the kingdom. And we pray this 
In the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. amen. So there's a couple of things I want to unlock to you today. Paul is talking here, as we said, he is concerned about the believers. He's not concerned because they're doing bad. He just wants them to keep doing good. Cowie Chapel South Bay, you all doing good. You are here on a Thursday night. Think about this. The fact that God is working in your heart, that's what drew you here, right? And I pray it's not out of habit. I pray it's not because someone invited you. I pray that this is out of your heart that you're here today. So Paul's talking to these believers in Rome, and he says this real simply. He wants to acknowledge, Paul acknowledges the work of Christ and the believers. Hey, we want to acknowledge the work of Christ God is doing in these believers. See, they were set apart in this place called Rome. And he wants to commend, he wants to encourage them of what he's seeing. There's three things he says he says, Caesar, he says, they're full of goodness. They're doing some good stuff. They're, they're doing some community work. They're feeding the homeless. What, they're doing good. The second thing he says here, not only are full of goodness, full of all knowledge. That they had the word of God. They had knowledge of who Jesus was. It wasn't just talk. But it was their lifestyle. And the third thing he says here, that they had, are able to admonish one another. That word admonish real simply means this, is to instruct, to advise, to coach others. And I love that about our church body here. There are some here who are just barely coming in their faith. There are some who are, you're a veterano. You're, you've been here for a while. You've been serving Jesus. And there are some who you're barely starting to walk in your walk. And I love that. That's the body of Christ, the diversity. Everyone's in a different spot. Look at the person next to you. They're in a different spot than you are. And check this out. We're all in different lanes, aren't we? There's some of you that are really outgoing. There are some of you that are more introverted. There are some that do the, you know, you're on this side and that side. I love the fact that God uses us where we're at. And Paul says, saying here, hey, I want you to admonish. It's not correcting, but he's instructing. And I know this, when we are being instructed, when we're being led, he says here, I want to remind you because of the grace God given to me. Because of the grace. Reminders are good for us, aren't they? When you're a little kid, reminders and repetition. Isn't that how we learned the ABC? A, B, C, D. Why? You kept saying it over and over and over again, right? Multiplication. Nine times seven? Oh, man. You need to go back to school, okay? Let me do another one. Eight times six? Okay, some of you, I need to repeat that again. Okay, so as an athlete, right? As an athlete, you would repeat the same play, right? You would perfect the proper form. You would duplicate that motion over and over again until you're proficient in it. As a believer, we hear, we read, we meditate, and then we apply, and then we live it out. That's how you can be a, not just a hearer, but be a doer. Repetition, reminding yourself. I don't know about you, but anyone here forgetful? So, you don't have to answer. Oh, you can, yeah, let's raise our hands. Anyone here this week, your brother's already raising their hand. I forget it all. I don't got nothing, right? Anyone here forget? Let's just say this week. Anyone here forget where you put your wallet this week? Anyone forget? Okay. Anyone here forget where you put your keys this week? Ooh. Anyone here forget where you put your cell phone this week, right? 
Glasses, right? Glasses, oh. Isn't it funny for someone, I can't find my glasses, I can't find my glasses. Where are they at? Right up in here, right? Okay, they didn't forget to come to church tonight. How many here, when you go to a large parking lot, how many of you guys forget where you park? My family went to the mall a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, I don't even know where we park. Do we park in this section, right? We're forgetful people, and we need reminders. Paul is saying here, I know you know what to do, but let me remind you. Let me remind you by the grace of God. Let me remind you of the ministry of the Holy Spirit here. Paul wants to remind them, and I love this. Paul is writing this, but who is he inspired by? He's inspired by the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26 says this. The Holy Spirit will teach you everything and remind you everything I have told you. Bring to your remembrance. Holy Spirit, would you remind me those things I ought to know, the foundational aspects of my faith? My wife had texted me a verse today. I want to share it with you. But I thought it was so appropriate. She didn't know what I was talking about or sharing. But Psalm 39 verse 4 says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered. Remind me. God, help me make the most of my time while I'm here on planet earth. I want it to be an impact. Uh, Yesterday I had the privilege of officiating a memorial for a dear sister here in our church body. She lived 93 years. And she used to, Sunday morning, she'd sit in that area right there. And the one comment someone had shared while they were there, that when it came time to worship, her hands would be lifted. Didn't matter the song. Didn't matter where she knew it. She knew where her hands were supposed to be. Lord, may my hands always be lifted up in surrender. God, I don't want my hands in my pocket. I don't want my hands holding things. Jesus, I want my hands lifted up in surrender because you're worthy of it. So remind ourselves that our time on earth is brief. See, the believers in Rome at that time, they were mature believers. They knew how to live their life. So if you go through the book of Romans, some of the topics are for intermediate, we'll say intermediate, mature believers, not for new believers, right? Encouraging them to do what's right. So I'm going to have you do something else here, okay? You you all got to participate. All right. So I want you to stand. Everyone's going to stand. And if you're not going to stand, I'm going to call you out. There is video. We're going to see this. Okay. All right. I want you to stand. If you've been coming to Calvary Chapel South Bay for less than a year, stand if you've been coming to Calvary Chapel South Bay for less than a year. Give them a hand. Yeah. All right. Good, 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 good. All right. You guys can have a seat. Synthesis, por favor. If you've been coming to Calvary Chapel South Bay for Between one year and five years, please stand. One year and five years, please stand. So we know. Yeah. Cool. All right. Have a seat. If you've been coming to Capture Chapel between five and ten years, go and have a stand so we see who you are. Yeah. All right. Very good. And last but not least, uh, you are the veterano. You're the seasoned saint. You've been coming to Calvary Chapel South Bay for more than 10 years. Go ahead and stand up. More than 10 years. Okay, perfect. So you might ask, why is that so important? There's diversity. So those who've been coming here, and you can always tell, the people who are coming here who are brand new, got a Bible, got their name on it. It's clean. It's like you, you, you can cook an egg on it. Is that, is that clean, right? They want to sit in the front row. 
And those that here, you're kind of chill, kind of like, we can learn from each other. See, what Paul is saying here, those who are mature, guess what? This is your season to pour in to those that are younger. And those that are younger, this is your time to, to seek wisdom and counsel for those who have been walking with the Lord. Church, it's not how much you know, but it's how well you know what you know. Does that make, does that make sense? You can know this whole book and recite it, but not have any idea what it means. Have you ever read something, and after you read it, it's like, I have no idea what I just read, right? <laughs> maturity, spiritual maturity, is not how long you've been serving, how long you've been coming to Calvary Chapel South Bay. Spiritual maturity is how deep do, you, do your roots in your faith go? And how does that happen? How do I become spiritually mature? This book right here. This stuff going on on Thursday and Sunday night, that's it. You on your knees praying, you lifting your hands, you serving Jesus. This is how you allow the roots of your faith to get down real deep. So when the winds and the waves come, you're not tossed, as we sung earlier tonight. The second thing that he talks about, verse 16, he says this, that I might be a minister of the, uh, I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. Gentiles were non-Jews. Okay, keep that in mind. Ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. It goes on. Therefore, I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus in the things which pertain to God. So, not only does Paul acknowledge the work. In the Roman believers, he acknowledges the work that Christ has done in his own life, right? God's done a work in me. I'm not the same. Paul shares here, hey, I'm a minister. I'm a servant to the Gentiles. Anyone know, well, most of you guys know Paul. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was a Pharisee. He was a man who was of the uh, purity, the tribe of Benjamin. He was the guy who says, you're a Gentile, you're a non-Jew, you're unclean, I don't want to have anything to do with you. But God calls Paul out of religion into a relationship that he might be a preacher for Jesus Christ. And a preacher for the Gentiles, a group of individuals that he had nothing to do with. That's God, isn't it? He takes our experience, our expertise, he transforms us, and he changes us, and he changes our hearts. When I was a youth pastor here many, many years ago, there was a group of young kids um, that, uh, as a youth pastor, you're supposed to love all the kids, right? <laughs> but there were a group of kids, I didn't love them as much. Let's just put it that way. They actually irritated me. There were the group of kids in our church that would always get into trouble, uh, we, there was a time we had Sunday night service, and some kids would be here all day, from first service to night service. And in between, you know, the 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, they'd be running around the church. And I'm in my office, and granted, every other week, something would be broken in the church. And you know who did it? The youth. And who got in trouble? Me, right? <laughs> so you could imagine that was a group of kids that I wasn't too fond of. Can I say that? Can I be real? Can I be real here? Okay. But you know what God started to do? I want you to pray for them. Pray for them. They always get in trouble. They always break something. No, right? 
And God says, pray for them. As I began to pray, as I began to seek God's face, what started to happen? My heart changed. To this day, when I see them, I say, oh, man, pobrecito, what's up? Like, oh, my. They have, they're having kids now, and I, it's, it's such a joy. I'm so glad that God changed my heart. Is there a group of people God wants you to change your heart for? Right? Think about it. Are there people in our life, groups of people, relatives, neighbors, people that your heart's been a certain way and God's saying, hey, I want to do a Paul on you. You think you can only minister to the Jews? Guess what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to transplant you and put you over here, and guess what? You're going to minister to the Gentiles. And you're going to be powerful, and God's going to use you. He was a minister. That word minister there, if we go back to the Old Testament, that minister there is really someone who performs a public act of service in the house of God. A priest. And in the Jewish temple, uh, someone would minister, someone would serve by presenting the sacrifices. So that's, that's kind of the context in that, that he's a minister, he's a servant, he's a priest. See, in the temple back in the day, Gentiles were not allowed. They had their own. They were kept out of the sacrificial process, right? The priests would offer the sacrifices for the Jewish people, but not the nation. I think about that. See, the Gentiles, they were kept in their court of the Gentiles. They didn't participate, right? They were excluded And you know, when Paul came, God says, you no longer excluded, you included. You are no longer unacceptable, you are acceptable. Jesus used Paul to draw people in. People who are on the outside, he brings them in on the inside. Jesus, man, he's the OG. He had meals with sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes. So church, if we get a little uncomfortable, if I feel like, oh, their hair is parted to the side, I like the left and not the right, (laughs) or whatever the case may be, that's not them. That's me. And so God wants to use us in each other's lives that we would be able to be ministers as Paul was. Paul was a special messenger from Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. Think about this. When you lead a person to Christ, and I pray that you get in the practice of that, that that's something that you do regularly, that you're sharing Jesus, that you're proclaiming, that you're preaching. And when you lead someone, I want you to think about this. When they say yes, think about this. Remember, when they say yes, this scripture here says real simply that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. When Pastor Chet does an altar call and people turn their hearts to Jesus, guess what happens? Jesus, this is one of your own. They come back home. Think about that. In in the temple, that's what the priest would do. They would take the sacrifice. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Present your bodies as living sacrifices. That's who our God is. That we are here today because someone has come along our side. Isn't Isn't that the case? Unless you maybe grew up in a Christian family. How many here did not grow up in a Christian family? Just curious. Okay. So God used somebody or something else to get you here. 
Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that God used a song, a relative, a neighbor, a stranger to bring you here? Right? And as I think about this, Paul is now saying, I'm a minister of the gospel. Right? Paul just didn't preach the gospel of salvation, but he instructed. God takes my mess and he gives me a message. Right? Some of us, not, it was, just wasn't a mess. It was a messy mess. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, ooh, it, was, it wasn't just a pile. It was a mountain, right? You know what he does with those pile of ashes? He makes them beautiful. And that's why we're here today. Paul understood that. That's what God did with him. And he goes on here to say that he's not going to glory, right? I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus in the things which pertain to God. He's saying here, I'm not going to glory in what I've done in my accomplishments, in my education, I can only talk about the things that Christ has done in my life, right? I can only speak about those things which I've experienced by his grace. I can only talk about those things um, that God has done in me. First John 1, 1, it says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. John's saying here, I know he's real because I've experienced him. I know he's real because he's spoken to me. I know he's real because I'm still here. Let's not forget the reality of Jesus Christ. You may not hear an audible voice, but he speaks through his word. You may not see him walking down in your house, but you see the people of God who are made in the image of God. So when we start to question, God, are you real? You know what he does? He's like, I'm right here. He won't fail. Man, wasn't that a good song? He won't fail, right? You know, okay, I knew it, okay. <laughs> we leave that to the worship team, right? So, but I think he won't fail. There's never been a day that God has let me down, and he never will. Paul says here, I acknowledge the Christ. I acknowledge the work of Christ in my life. The next thing, verse 18, it goes on. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has, has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient. In mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and roundabout to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Paul is now gearing it, okay, there's a work in the Roman believers. There's a, ro- a work in my life. Now he's bringing up uh, Jerusalem and Illyricum. God wants to do a work in our world. The distance between Jerusalem and Illyricum is about 1,000 miles, which is like from L.A. to Seattle. Think about this. He traveled that far to preach the gospel. Why? Because it was important. Because people had to hear. There is people in Illyricum that, how can we hear unless God sends a preacher? And you know what Paul did? That's me. I got that. Maybe that's what you need to do tonight. That area, those people, that relative, here am I, send me. See, the ministry of the gospel, it's not stationary. The ministry of the gospel is always moving. 
It's always shifting. God's using these things in our life. He says, in mighty signs and wonders by the Spirit of God. Paul recognized that the power is not just in his life. He didn't just experience it in his life, but he experienced it in other people's lives. As a matter of fact, God is doing a work everywhere. Do you realize right now, somewhere in this world, people are worshiping Jesus in secret? The persecuted church. They are running for their life. God, may we be people who run to you in those moments. In every place, the Holy Spirit was packed active and powerful. Let's not neglect that the Holy Spirit is working even in this room. You don't have to say, but during that time of worship, did you sense the Holy Spirit ministering to you? Did you sense him speaking? Maybe it was a lyric. Maybe it was when Nina sang. Maybe it was Pastor Gannon. Maybe it was Rob. But just, it just, it just, whoa. You know? And, and I love the worship. And I love to move when I worship. I don't know if you see it. I, I just like to do like, oh, just because what happens, I want it to take, I want it to overwhelm me, the presence of God. I can't, I can't stay still because he's just too good. And so as Paul is now saying, hey, I want to acknowledge the work of Christ in this world, God is on the move. God's plan is for the whole world. For God so loved the world. God so loved the world. That he gave his one and only. That whoever. Whoever. The ministry of the gospel is to everyone. And may we never be a hindrance for the gospel coming out to others. The final thing it says here, verse 20. And so I've made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was not announced, they shall see, and those who have not heard shall understand. Finally, Paul acknowledged the call in his life. He acknowledged, I'm not just going to be a Pharisee. I'm going to be a former Pharisee turned preacher. Right? I love how God changed people's names throughout the Bible. Right? Saul became Paul. Jacob became Israel, controlled by God. Has he done it for us? Has God changed your name? Or has God changed your reputation? And how people view you as a result of coming into contact with him, right? Isn't it a trip when people are like, hey, uh, I forgot who I was talking to. So there is a, a guy, um, some years ago we had a men's conference or some conference here, I can't remember. And uh, I had a real great friend. And Louie, if you're watching, shout out to you. So my friend Louie in high school, um, I'm going to keep it real a little bit. So I was not a Christian when I was in high school. And I, I went to a party and I drank some liquid, and it didn't, um, and I slept over his house, right? And I just didn't feel well after the liquid, and so anyway, you kind of know what happens. So fast forward 30 years, 20 years, we're here in the courtyard, and I see my friend Louie, and he's a believer. No way, da-da-da, we're talking, he's like, oh, here's my mom. And you know, the first thought I thought of, that night. I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is a 30-year-long apology, but I just... And she, this is when he's like, you're a pastor? 
I know, I know. God is good. All the time. So as we think, amen. Think about this. God wants us to realize he has a call in our life. Every single one of you. And it's different from one another. That is the ministry of the gospel. We're going to turn uh, back. Let's go to Luke chapter 9, and we're going to end up there. Luke chapter 9. And I want to share a couple of things that prayerfully will encourage you in this ministry of the gospel, in seeking out God's perfect will for your life. You might be here tonight, okay, I work at a school, I work at a hospital, I work on the docks. How can God use me? Paul understood, he knew who he was, but how am I going to become who you want me to be? This verse, this, this is kind of where we're going to start. In verse 20 of Romans, it says, And so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel. He said here real simply, I've made it my purpose, my intent, the very reason for my breath. I've made it my ambition. I've made it my profession to preach the gospel. He was not confused as to what he was called to do, right? So what does that ministry look like? We're going to look at Luke chapter 9, and we're going to break this down. And prayerfully, I'm going to give you some insight in how you can be a minister of the gospel, and what does that look like? Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said to them, take nothing for the journey, neither staffs, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics apiece. Whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And whoever will not receive you when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet as a testimony against them. Verse 6, so they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. A couple of things I want to share with you tonight. Jesus gave them the ability and the authority to preach the gospel. So first thing we're going to look at is God has given us ability to preach the gospel, right? The ministry of the gospel is preaching. Anyone here have a mouth? Anyone here have a mouth? (laughs) Only five people have mouths? Okay, all right. That mouth can be for good. It can be for bad. Church, we're going to purpose to use it for good. We're going to purpose to use it for the gospel, to preach the gospel. So this is the beauty. He's already given you the tool to speak. Think about this. He's given you what to preach. Now you just got to get in the game and preach. So God has given us the ability. God can only do uh, what, we can only do what God gives us the power to do. Jesus has given us the power and the authority to preach the gospel. Jesus did not just call the 12. He gave them power to do what he called them to do. See, Jesus just didn't delegate the work. He gave them the ability and the power to do that. The same principle holds today. God calls. If he's called you, he's going to equip you. He's going to give you what you need at that moment. In Acts, right, 4.13, it talks about the disciples had so much boldness. They were untrained, uneducated men, but they had been with Jesus. 
Church, that's what you need to do. Just be with Jesus. Remember, the Holy Spirit brings everything to remembrance. Remember? For those that are forgetful, guess what? You may forget a verse, but you know who knows it? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's going to bring it to remembrance. We just have to allow him to do that in our life. I can't speak. I can't share. I can't preach. You can't, but he can. So get that out of your mind, thinking that I have to bring something to the table. He's already given it here. He's here. It's here. It's here. And so as we continue just to serve the Lord, I pray that you would understand. And the other thing, when God equips us, it may not be completely evident before the ministry begins. will be evident along the way. Great example when I first came to Calvary Chapel South Bay many, many years ago, I came in, and I was telling somebody the story yesterday. Um, my, a friend of mine asked me, hey, the youth, uh, youth ministry needs a worship leader. I had only knew one song, the song called The Nails in Your Hand. Anyone know this song? The Nails in Your Hand, right? And so I come, and I come, and it's, it's a, the youth center, and there's a spotlight. I come in, and the youth pastor said, oh, the worship leader's here. Where he at? Where he's at? I'm holding a guitar. Oh, come on, come on. And I'm sitting in front of 30, 40 youth. All right, lead us in worship. Uh, I only know one song. That's okay. The nails in your hands. Okay, that's it. Uh, can you sing it fast? The nails in your hand. Can you sing it slow? The nails in your hand. Let's have the girls sing. The nails in your hand. The guys sing. We did it five, six times, that same song. And my friend is in the back laughing. I'm like, oh, oh, right? And I left. I wasn't equipped. And I said, I'm never coming back here. Right? Guess what started happening? My heart, something was going on here. And God began to equip me. Oh, I know next time, I know more than one song. I know two songs, right? Next time, oh, oh, that's a capo. Oh, this is an equal. Like, it came, but I had to be willing to step up and take a step of faith. So you may be here saying, I can't preach. I can't go on a mission trip. I can't serve. It's not on you. It's on him. Because if he's in you, guess what? Who works that out? You just have to be available to the working of that. The second thing is not only... Has he given us ability? He's given us authority. Jesus gives us the authority to do that. In this passage, he gave them authority over demons. What? I'm not going to be a ghost buster. I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to do that. Right. Let me break it down to you. He gives us the authority. Authority is that strength, that jurisdiction, that you make the call. What does that mean? That Jesus gave them power and authority over demons and to cure diseases. You're a child of the king. You're royalty. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're, you're royalty. Tell me that. If they're a guy, say, you're a prince. If they're a girl, say, you're a princess. Okay, whatever. You're royalty. What does that mean? God has given authority to you to do what he's called you to do. So... Don't go into it hesitantly, insecurely, go, I'm a child of the king, and this is my spot. I'm a child of the king, and he's put me here for such a time as this. Queen Esther, right? For such a time as this, 
She shouldn't even been there. But God put her there. God gives us authority. Think about this. When you enter a place that's maybe dark and there's a sense of heaven, if maybe you've experienced it, you've gone somewhere that, ooh, I just feel unrest. There's something going on. Maybe there's some spiritual forces, something along those lines, right? And you go there and you sense this heaviness. We're sometimes walking into enemy territory where the enemy has dominion. The dark places. Pastor Chet has been encouraging us to take L.A., right? There's some dark places in L.A. And when you get there, it's like, ooh, I just, there's something going on here, right? It's like when you step into someone's home who's an enemy. Now, we don't normally do that, but think of an animal, right? So we have this huge, well, not huge. We have this issue. Can I call it issue? So our neighbor who hasn't lived there, he has a shed, and under the shed is living a family of skunks. Along with that, there's a beehive, okay? So there's a couple things going on here. So Sue and I were talking, like, man, let's, let's just destroy it. Let's just get rid of it. Let's just kind of handle it ourselves. You ever try to handle something on yourself without the experts, right? Could you imagine me there? I'm going to get, we're like talking, like, oh, let's just, let's just drown them with the hose. You know, we're thinking all these things of how to get rid of it. I'll tell you this, that's their home. Right now, they my enemy, right? <laughs> if I mess with them, guess what? They're going to attack me. This is the beauty. God has given us authority over demons and principalities and powers. That's what we get to own. And so when we come into those places where you're confronted with someone who is living in a dark place, don't be surprised if they attack. Don't be surprised if they spew out something. God's giving you authority. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. When spiritual attack comes, don't run. Realize your authority is in Christ. It goes on. It says, verse 2, he sent them, right, the disciples, to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. As we talked about, preach means to proclaim, to tell others, announce the good news. The disciples were sent to declare the gospel to everyone. Hope for the discouraged, cure for the sick, answers for the confused, right? Peace for the shameful. And I think, where did they go? The highways, the byways, the street corners. They wanted to preach wherever they could. It was not the location. It was the message. Wherever God places you, doesn't matter. You've got the message. So don't fear what's against you. Lean on the fact that it's not the setting. It's the message that's essential. This picture here, uh, many years ago, we went to Costa Rica on a mission trip. And we were in a Costa Rican, lack of a, a smart and final store, right? So we're getting all the supplies there. And they, there was these people working there. They're looking at us, kind of like scoping us out, you know, kind of seeing who we are. And, they, and I was like looking at, you know, when people are staring at you, you don't want to look. But then when you look, they're looking at you, so you look away, right? That was going on for a long time. And they came up and said, oh, um, are you from here? I go, do I look Costa Rican? I, I'm thinking I'm Filipino, but yeah, okay. 
say, oh, are you missionaries? And so this conversation, oh, we go to this church, and we're doing a feeding in this drug-infested part of town. We want to see if you want to join us. I was like, cool. How cool is that? But I'm like, part of me is like, I don't even know you. I'm in another country, right? I'm, and so we decide, or actually I decided, let's go. So I take the whole team. We end up this church, and it's a feeding for an area in a dark, plot, a dark spot of town where drugs and prostitution, all this stuff is going on. So we go there, and our bus driver, Luis, is there, and he takes us there. And he's like, you sure you want to go here? I was like, yeah. So we're following do you ever get in those moments like, we're following someone, but we don't know where we're going, right? This is kind of sketchy, you know, and we're following. We get to location, and here we are, Americans. Ruha, yeah, we're excited. We do our dances. We do our dramas. And these people there are just waiting to be fed. After each segment, oh, that was great. You know, okay, cool. Our driver, Luis, Luis has not said a word this whole time. We've been there. He's like, um, could I, testimonio in Espanol? Yeah. He's like, can I share my testimony? I was like, I didn't even know you're a Christian, Luis. Um, okay, I think. What, what, I don't think I'll harm anyone. He comes up. And he came from, he begins, like, I, I'm just like you. I was on drugs. And begins to unfold his testimony. And I kid you not, people fall to their knees. And they're crying. They're, I don't even know what happened other than the Holy Spirit fell on that spot in that corner. It was almost like, is this really happening, Lord? And I thought, God's given us authority and ability to preach the gospel. Sometimes we think it's what we can give as opposed to who's already there. And the Holy Spirit was already there doing a work in the hearts of the people there. He gave them the ability. One of the things I want to share with you real simply is let's not, it's good to do good, but let's not just do good without the good news. There is this term called the social gospel, which is uh, back in the 1800s, 1900s, basically, uh, Churches decided, hey, we're going, to admit, we're going to address the issues of society. We're going to feed the poor. We're going to help uh, uh, those that are hurting. The society issues, but they never brought in the gospel. It was good stuff without the good news. I'm all about, I was trying to say this word, humanitarianism, Right? Things, good things for other people, right? Idea of helping people who are suffering, saving lives, right? See, if someone is sick, I can heal them and help them, but without the gospel, guess what? They're going to get sick again. But if I share the gospel and maybe can't heal them, they'll get sick again, but guess what? They're going to go to heaven because of the gospel. So church, let's not leave out the gospel when we do a random act of kindness, when we see someone who's hurting, right? That we would be people that do the work of the ministry. 2 Corinthians 4, 5, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. Three things I want to share with you today. Number one, preach the gospel with simplicity. 
Jesus say, hey, don't take a tunic for your journey, a staff, a bag. Keep it simple. And it requires faith. Jesus sent them two by two. He says, all the stuff you normally take on a trip, don't take it because I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me with provision. I want you to trust me with the practical, right? Traveling light. If they didn't take much with them, guess what? They don't have to focus on it. We live in a world today, you ever go on a trip, I've got to pack this. Oh, don't forget my charger. Oh, and then I need my, my face mask when I sleep, you know, and all this. And then my nighttime care for my face, right? We do all this, and Jesus says, don't take a thing. Just a couple of things. So you're not focused on stuff. When we're sharing the gospel, it's great. You know, entertainment, gifts, all this is great. But keep it simple. Remember, it's about Jesus. It's a fact that he came to earth, he died for our sins, he rose from the dead. That's the gospel. There are various outreaches and things that we do, which is great, but let's learn to preach the gospel with simplicity. The second thing is preach the gospel obediently. Jesus said, hey, when you go into their houses, if they accept, pour into them, invest in them, spend time. But whoever will not receive you, when you go out of the city, it was a shake off the very what? Dust off your feet, from your feet, right? It's the equivalent to the modern day, huh, huh, huh. I wash my hands of it. That's what Jesus said. I was like, whoa, Jesus, that's kind of... That's kind of thug. That's kind of gangster, Jesus. Like, I like that, right? Jesus was saying, hey, if they're not going to listen, if they're going to reject you, push you away. And I, and, I, and I want to share this with some of you. If you are here today and you have family members and you've shared, you've, you've uh, invited, and, they, and it almost seems like they're more resistant. Anyone feel me on that? Like, the more you say something, the more uh, antagonistic they get. Your only responsibility is to preach. It's not based on the response. That's between them and Jesus. The disciples were not responsible for the acceptance of Jesus. They were only responsible for the obedience to Jesus. So whether it's a favorable or unfavorable response, don't don't trip. Don't let that bother you. Rejection is part of our faith. If Jesus was rejected, if Jesus had a crown of thorns, if Jesus was spat upon, if Jesus hung upon the cross, he's my Jesus. And I will take whatever he's gone through that I would be able to live my life for Christ. Finally, preach the gospel faithfully. It says, so they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. I want to land here real simply. They did exactly what Jesus told them to do. The responses, some received, some didn't. That didn't move them. They just said, Jesus, Jesus said to do this. That's what I'll do. They did exactly how, how Jesus called him to do it. Verse, if we go back to verse 20 in Romans, it says, And so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel. I have fully Preach the gospel of Christ. I didn't hold back. I didn't hold back from what Christ has done in my life. And it ends real simply that 
Where Christ is not named, lest I should build another man's foundation. As, as it is written, to whom he was not announced, they shall see, and those who have not heard shall understand. Jesus will simply said, till everyone hears. Keep going till the whole world has heard about me. Mar- uh, Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. Then the end will come. Anyone here want to go home to be with Jesus? Yes. What? Then get to preaching. Because once everyone knows, guess what? Dun, 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 we out. So get to work. The importance of working and preaching the gospel. It's for people, but also it's for us. I was a, um, I'll end with this. And I want to end with this. Your life impacts others, whether you know it or not. Um, when I first became a Christian, uh, I, I went back to school to be a high school teacher. And I was a high school teacher at Long Beach Wilson. I taught sophomore English. And um, there was a, a young man, uh, 10th grade, and after school, he came to me and said, Hey, Mr. People can say Mascardo. So they say, Mr. M. Yeah, what's up? Mr. M, I got this issue. I don't know what to do. And it seems like you always know what to do. So, okay, what's going on? Uh, Mr. M, my girlfriend, she's, um, boop, boop. she's pregnant. Oh, you 15, homie? You know, I'm like, what? What are you doing? Right? I didn't do that. I said, oh, okay. All right. And her family wants to get an abortion. And I don't think that's right. You're right. And as we had this 20-minute conversation, I unloaded the gospel. And I prayed with him. And he accepted Christ. And he said, I don't know what's going to happen. Okay, well, you have the Lord now. Here's the Bible. Walk it out. A couple weeks later, they get transferred out of the school, both of them. Never hear from them again. Ten years later, Barnes & Nobles by Delamo Mall. I'm walking, da-da-da, Mr. M. What? We recognize each other, da-da-da. And he's like, whoa, what happened? I haven't seen you since you were a sophomore. You were 15, and now you're 25. Whoa, what's going on, da-da-da? And, and he says, I want to introduce you somebody. And he introduces me, his 10-year-old daughter. And I'm like, did I know that was going to happen? But God did. I was a high school, I was an average, mediocre high school teacher who, could, who was a C student. And God places a young man for 20 minutes. Church, the ministry of the gospel is preaching. The ministry of the gospel is sharing who Jesus is. It's not what you got, it's what he's given to you. And so as we move forward as the body of Christ. I pray this would be in your heart. I pray it wouldn't be, this is for this person, this, this is for you, this is for us, that we would understand, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God that this is what's in us. And so we're going to go ahead and close our time in prayer. Um, as the worship team comes out, between you and the Lord, if, if, if you say tonight, God, I want to be a preacher for you, 
God, I want to be your ambassador. God, I want to be someone who talks to people about you. And, and let's not even talk about what happened yesterday. Let's talk about today. God, if you, if you in your heart say, I want to be bolder. I, I, I want to I have that courage. God, I want to be a minister of the gospel. During this song, just, just stand to your feet or raise your hand. Jesus has spoken. My responsibility is to respond to what he said. And so as Gannon and the team lead us, God is our hope. He's our present help in time of need. And so no matter what you may be going through, walking through in life, God wants to speak to you. God wants to use you. Father, thank you so much for your love and your mercy and your grace. There is no one like you. And so tonight, as we close out, as we respond to what you've said, as we realize, God, that you who is in us is greater than he that's in this world, that you who is in us has the power and the ability to use us. Thank you, God, that we don't have a whole lot, but what we have, we give to you tonight. We surrender, God. We surrender who we are to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So God, tonight, we want to be a people that are bold. We want to be a people that are not silent, that are not quiet about our faith. But we really see the power of God and the working of the gospel in and through our lives, Lord. We thank you, God. We love you. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.